Good evening. This lecture Leiluin Nishmat Shimon Ben Miriam Tamara Badbatia Marusia Badkasia Miriam Bad Geula David Ben Shoshana Leiluin Nishmat Shlomo Shmuel Ben Yosef Roni Ben Berta And also Lerfuat David Ben Aliza Malka Shiduch and Parnasa for Chaviv Ben Mazal Baruch Hashem, we have this uh, Shabbaton coming in Miami, in uh, Ramada Marco Polo Hotel. I will start on Friday until Sunday. Then Sunday at 4 p.m. I have another lecture there in Miami, not in a seminar, extra one. And the following Shabbat, I'm going to be in Los Angeles for a few days. But this Tuesday lecture will go on as usual, because I'm coming back before. So we are on, Be'ezrat Hashem. Yesterday in Queens, I explained uh, with details the famous expression of Chazal, Kol man David Rachmana latav avid. Meaning, everything Hashem does, does for the good, for the best. <coughs> and I ask all the questions that all of you ask, and every normal human being asks, what does it mean for the best? People get hurt, people become paralyzed, people lose all their money, people lose children, all kinds of problems, and how can you come and tell me that this is for the best? What can be worse than that? We are in a big nightmare, almost three months of nightmare already. We are in, in the middle of a nightmare. Every minute is a nightmare. Every morning you open up your eyes, you see a few more soldiers died, a few more problems. Someone like me, that get every 10, 20 minutes another tragedy on my phone from people. It's constant, uh, constant uh, sadness see how much people suffer and then you come and say to the people oh you should say to Hashem thank you person has to bless Hashem for the bad just as much as he bless him for the good it looks like a contradiction you could just come and tell me there's no bad from Hashem everything he does he does for good then you come and say to me that uh, you have to bless Hashem for the bad just as much as you bless Him for the good. With happiness. With real gratitude. You have to make up your mind. This both comes from the same Gemara. So there is bad or no? If there is bad and you have to bless Hashem for the bad, okay, at least we know it's bad. If everything is good, why do you even have to tell me that I have to bless Hashem for the bad just as much for the good? Everything is good. I already know I have to bless Hashem for the good. And then I started to explain yesterday how the court of heaven work. There is a judge, which is God, Hashem. And there is the Satan, which is the prosecutor. And then we have the defense attorney, which is an angel that is assigned to you to bring all the good you did today. So every time the Satan comes and try to make a claim against you for something bad you did today, and he objects something that Hashem is about to give you, 
immediately the good angel come and he wants to do everything he can to cancel the Satan's plan. Or the other way around. Sometimes when a good angel wants to speak good about you, immediately the Satan shows up and make a treg, speaks negative about you. The idea is you want to give a lot of ammunition to the good angel, but you don't want the Satan to have anything against you. This is very good in, uh, in words, easy talking than done, you know. But in reality, the good part is that even when we mess up, and we do mess up, especially in this generation, almost everyone mess up, the good news is that we still have tshuva. We can repent. Plus, I have a huge trick that I taught you. It's a treasure. I hope you're paying attention to what I say, not just moving your head, nodding your head. I hope it goes into your system and you live with that. That because we are, excuse my language, don't get upset, because all of us are more to the loser side than the winner when it comes to spirituality, we have only one way out from the misery and from the low level that we live in. What is it? To get other people to work for us. That's called Kiruv. When I make another Jew become Shomer Mitzvot, he's starting to keep Mitzvot, Shabbat, Filin, Kashrut, learning Torah, and I make another one, and another one, and another one, the more people I get into the system, the more credits I get. So now when I commit my horrible sins, without all my soldiers, for sure I lose. For sure I ended up in a very bad place. But when I have 5, 10, 20, 50 people that thanks to me, what does it mean thanks to me? It's all thanks to Hashem. But Hashem, Baruch Hashem, gave me the opportunity to do the work for Him, to go and convince the people and bring them closer. So once... I have, let's say, 10 Jews that now becoming more religious and some goyim that left their idol-worshipping Christianity and they became better people and they're more righteous Gentiles and all of that. So now there are less sins are done in the world. Less sins are committed. And more good deeds are committed. So therefore, lots of credits goes into my account and turn the scale into a very positive side. So every smart person, Jew or non-Jew, have to invest every available dollar he has into this, for his own good. I mean, it's good for the world, it's good for the Jewish nation, it's good for Hashem. Hashem is very happy that his children coming back to him. But the most important is that it's for, for you. You're saving yourself, you and your children. But it comes with a warning. It comes with a warning. What's the warning? We just made you Misha Barach. Couldn't you come a minute earlier? I'm protesting. Ah, you're protesting. <laughs> so, uh, what's the warning that is attached to what I just said? There's a comment. Huh? Yeah, the opposite we know. If someone makes other people become wicked, obviously gain a lot of bad credit. But... The, the comment that attached to what I say is because it's such a huge bargain, because it's such a great merit, 
before it's, it's such an unbelievable salvation and a, and a great advice, what do you think? The Satan is going to sit like this and wait for you to kidnap more wicked people from his territory and move them to the territory of Hashem? He's going to give you a heck of a, of a war. Big war. That's what's written in the Zohar. Tamchin Deoraita, people that support Torah, the Satan does not like them. Why? They kidnap people from him. Let's say Ed, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Levi, and Yosef. Five Jews. Chalalei Shabbat speaks Lashonara all day, putting bad pictures online, stealing, doing all kinds of bad things. Satan is very happy. He sends them on mission. He wants to hurt someone. He sends uh, Reuven to destroy his life, to talk about his business, to destroy him. Now he needs something else. He sends Shimon on another mission. But when you kidnap those five from his territory, and they become Shomrei Shabbat, they're starting to come to shul, they're starting to listening to lectures on the app, which reminds me that I'm three times already forgot to announce. That's also the work of the Satan, that he keeps making me forget. You know that a month ago we were attacked by hackers on divine information. For two weeks we did not bring back the, the, the website. We could have bring it back two days later, later but we say, you know what, if that's what happened, we're going to do it perfect this time. So what do we do? We fix divine information. So far, 99% is back into place. We're just going to fix the banner, which when we have the, the lectures for the beginner, every few seconds, you know, jumping on the screen, we'll fix that. But now we have a much better news. Divine information is more than 20-something years ago. It's an ancient website. We had a backup website that was not fully loaded, meaning it's unbelievable, state-of-the-art, the best graphic, rabbimizrahi.org. When the divine information went down, we had to use this website that people can still know the schedule, they can donate, they can see the recent lectures at least. But since now we realize that we have a wonderful website, we might as well use it. So we loaded all the lecture from Divine Information into RabbiMizrahi.org. If you ask me, that should be the recommended website. It's there, beautiful. It works together with the app. The same person that built the app, built the, the website. It's such a wonderful tzaddik. Such a person. He does everything L'Shem Shemayim. Everything. His name is Yoina. Yoina Tzaddik. Even the name is a tzaddik. And he's, uh, <laughs> he's really one of a kind, this guy. How much he wants to help to do more and more kiruv, to reach more people. Benji knows him, right? Did I exaggerate? Huh? I actually underestimated him. There's a lot more than what I say. But it's a, no, but I say, you know what it is. It, the Gemara say you're not supposed to say all the compliments in the face of a person. Just a little. Not all of it. Behind his back he can say a lot of compliments. But when he's around, 
just say a little from his greatness. So, since he's listening now live, it's Befanav. So we can't say the whole thing. If I knew now you went to sleep or something, then we would give you the whole nine yard. But you got the point. The point is now that you have whatever you like. You like divine information, stay there. You like Mizrahi.org, you'd make up your mind. Whatever you like, it's fine. So we move on. So the Satan is going crazy when you kidnapped his soldiers and moved them to the opposite, uh, to the opposite side, to the positive army. These people are no longer in a position of the Satan. And that's a wonderful thing to do. So let's move on. So after I explain how it works, I just wanted to attach this comment. Well, yesterday I didn't say it. That you have to remember, because it's such a huge bargain and profit for you, as results of that, you have to be ready that the Satan, which is the evil inclination, will trick you in every possible way he can. And that brings me to the topic tonight, continuing from where we left yesterday. We said in a tefillah, we ask Hashem to remove the Satan from ahead of us and from behind us. From ahead of us, we know it's a trap. If the Satan is waiting for you on a, on a road to trap you, then obviously we ask Hashem to, to, to help us and protect us from not falling into his traps while we're heading forward. But once we pass the Satan trap, why we ask Hashem to remove the Satan from behind us? Let him stay behind us, it's good. We look back and see, say, hey, adios. You didn't fool me this time. It's good, no? The answer is, Rabotai, what do you think? That the Satan lose that easy? Let's say the Satan did everything he could to make you not come tonight to the lecture. Everything he could. All of a sudden, a customer call your store. Uh, I know you close at 7, but can, if you wait until 8, I'm going to buy 15 suits tonight or 10 phones. I'm running late, traffic. If you understand till 8, by the time you close, by the time you arrive, it will be 9.30. The lecture is almost over, the introduction at least. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said introduction. But you see, I'm afraid of you, because you know, I'm, I'm afraid to go too late. So I'm trying to keep it fast. So, once you fooled him and you locked the gate... Say to the customer, come whenever you're around. You're not going to fool me, the Satan. I go to a class. What happened right away? The Satan, do you think he let you go? That's it, he gave up? What is he doing? Penetrating your mind and make you feel wonderful about how righteous you are. You know how the Israelis say in Israel? Ani tzaddik. Ani tzaddik. Right away, my answer to them is, what's my answer? 
every person that say Ani Tzadik, I'm righteous, is for sure wicked. Why? How do you know? Just met him a minute ago. How do you know if he's wicked or not? The answer is he's full of himself. He's full of ego. A normal person that knows Torah will ever dare to even think that he's a tzaddik. You tzaddik? Let's put you next to the Baba Sali and see what a tzaddik you are. You'll kill yourself on a spot from the shame. What happens if we put you next to the Ramchal? Or next to the Ramban? Or the Ariya Kadosh? I'm not even talking. We'll put you next to Rabbi Akiva. Or Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai. Or David Amelech. Ah, forget it. Well, let's not go that far. Talking even people in our generation. You tzaddik? Let's see how you pray. Let's see how you learn. Let's see how, you, how much tzaddik you give. Let's see how you get dressed. Let's see how much gel you put in your hair before you leave the house. Just like the Babasali used to put tons of gel before he went, you know, out of his house. How do you know Babasali never put gel in his life? How do you know? His hair is anyway covered like a woman. You don't see what hair comes out. What's the point? It's like someone walks with a black hat, never takes it off. Does he care how his hair looks? One time there was a guy, I don't remember where, I'm trying to remember where, somewhere, that used to have a very big, like a turban. Like, you know, like the Benishchai turban. Like, like, the, like the Jamaicans, you know the Jamaicans? That they put the Rasta, Rasta hair inside. The Rastot. They have Rastot, you know? They weld bra- braids, it goes all the way to the floor. Where are you going to fit such a balloon? You need a big, uh, big uh, hat. So this guy was always walking with his feet. Until one time, he took it off for a second. And that's when I saw he has hair all the way to the floor almost. Folded inside. And after he saw people looking and they're all in shock, he said that he's a Nazir. Nazir. A monk. Nazir means someone who doesn't cut his hair, doesn't eat grapes, doesn't drink wine, no raisins. Accepted Nazirut. Shimshon HaTzadik had hair. His power was in his hair. A few other Nazirim. In a Gemara, in the time of Shimon HaTzadik, in Bet HaMikdash, there was one guy with long hair. He decided to make his hair long. After he went to, to, to the lake, so that he looks very good. And he decided to become a Nazir. And now when he becomes a Nazir, he's going to have long hair. Long hair will make a man look better or worse? No, I tell you why I'm asking. If it makes a person look better, what kind of advice he gave himself? If any, he should shave the hair to look worse, no? If he comes to the lake and see that he looks so nice, and his Yetzirah began to tell him, hey, you fool, you can get the prettiest girl. What are you doing taking care of the sheep here? Go and enjoy life, like they say in America. What's the logo of the American teenagers? I want to have fun. They have all kinds of words, slang, 
trying to keep up with their slang. They have another word. No, no, no. I want to have fun, it's already old fashioned. They have something new. Uh, oh, it's a move, huh? It's a move. Meaning, uh, we want to do something to have fun. It's a move, it's a good move. They have words. Try to learn the American style words. But the bottom line, all they care about is to enjoy the moment. Later, maybe they'll get mature, become more Talmidei Chachamim, they know it's all nonsense. They get to the point eventually. So anyway, Rabotai, we ask Hashem, save us from the Satan after we won against him. What is he going to do? We filled up the bucket and he's going to force us to kick it. And all the water will spill. What does it mean? He comes to your mind and say, Oh, Moshe, ah, not that many people would pass such a test. You minimum, minimum, Baba Sali. Minimum, you should open yourself a chasidut. Maybe Chabad number two you should be. The Nurebe. And what happened? Pride goes into his mind. Pride. What's the problem with pride? Nothing Hashem cannot stand more than proud people. It's written in the clear verses. Toavat Hashem kol gvalev. It's despicable. It's abomination in the eyes of Hashem. Everyone that is a proud person. There is another verse. Gvalev otolochal. Someone that is proud, I can't stand him. The words of God, not my words. It's a little bit discouraging. Because if we are honest, we know we're full of ego. I mean, some more, some less. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a hard work to get rid of the ego. Rabbi Shaul Zatzal summarized it in one sentence. You want to know if you achieve a good, decent level spiritually? You have to be in a level that when people compliment you nonstop, it's nothing in your eyes. Nothing. It's like a dog barking. And when people curse you and say horrible things about you, it doesn't bother you at all. Doesn't insult you. You don't become red. You don't cry. You don't go home and sit two weeks depressed because they hurt your ego. You just don't have ego. If you don't have ego, you don't care when people put you down, but you also don't care when they compliment you. It works both ways. Like one time Rabbi Tzion Abashor was invited to speak somewhere by the Hasidim. And when he walked in, the Rebbe, one of the Hasidim there, the head of the Hasidim, when he invited him to speak, he started to give him all the famous compliments that you give someone that is huge in Torah. Remember, we spoke about it one time. Let's see if you remember. What does it mean, Amud Yemani? The right pole. Someone, you know, when, when you finish the Torah, the Ashkenazi Sefer Torah have two sticks. When you start the Torah, all the Torah is on the left stick. Until you finish every week, a little more, a little more, you scroll, until you, you come to Zot, Vezot Aberacha, everything goes to the right. 
So when you want to say to someone that the entire Torah is in your head, you say to him the right pole, meaning all the Torah, you finished it already. You came to the end now. That means it's all in your head. It's a nice expression. Meaning you can blow up any rock with the heat of your Torah. So the, this Admor started to give all kinds of compliments to Ben Zion Abba Shaul. And when he got up to speak, he said, he said to him, Kvod Arav, Hakol Kalam Fadi. You know what it means, Kalam Fadi? Ask the Chalabim here across the street. Or come tomorrow morning, they'll tell you right here in the Minyan. Kalam Fadi means words of nonsense. Beloni. Words that are not true. He said to him, Akol Kalam Fadi, in Israel, in Hebrew, Akol Kalam Fadi. The question is, if they're going to say one of your compliments about me in Shamaim. That's the question. Here, everyone can give you compliments non-stop. Therefore, I can care less about compliments. Just as much as I cannot care, I can care less when people cares put you down, make fun at you. No problem. You know what it is. People that make fun at their religion, there will be time that they will be forced not to make fun at their religion. Who knows what are the two conditions that a person can never make fun at their religion? Two places. And even if he was making fun at the religion every day of his life, there will be two places in his life that he will be forced not only not to make fun of the religion, to beg for his life from the religion or from the religious people. Hospital. Hospital. And what's the second one? In the war. In the war, all the soldiers are religious. If I tell you that almost every Israeli soldier now screams Shema Israel before they go, Hashem Melech, Hashem Malach, even the lefties from the kibbutz. People like Bernie Sanders scream Shema Israel and put tzitzit. How much would you give to see this low life Bernie Sanders walking with tzitzit and a kippah? If you would see a picture like this, would you believe it's real or you will be sure that it's Photoshop? <laughs> I would not hesitate to put a lot of money that it's Photoshop. And even if I see him in front of my eyes on the street with kippah and tzitzit, I would not believe it's him. Probably have a twin somewhere. (laughs) Why? What are the odds that such a rasha will ever do something good for Hashem? Basically, it doesn't exist. So how come soldiers like him that hates the religion so much all of a sudden dancing before they go to a war they may not come back? Anachnu maminim bnei we are believers, son of believers. Ve'elanu al mi leishael, we have no one to rely on. Ela ela lavinu avinu shevashamayim. Only on our father, our father in heaven. Bernie Sanders will sing such words. He will faint. He will get an allergy. Probably will get rash all over his skin. What happened, Bernie? I don't know, I lost my mind. I just praise God. 
check me out, I'm maybe not feeling good. You put maybe some poison in my water or drug or something. How can I say such words? You know, one reform, uh, I can't say Jew, because the reformim are not Jewish, but one reform that believes that is Jewish. Here comes and uh, he said to the rabbi, Rabbi, I have a big emergency, I need to meet with you. Reform rabbi. The reform rabbi say, okay, let me ask my husband if he allowed me to meet you today. <laughs> Jerry! Can I go meet someone in a shul? And what happened? It's an emergency, apparently. All right, Isaac, go. But don't run late. I'm making dinner for us. It's his wife, Jerry. So the reform low life is going now to meet the father, and the father is almost crying. So don't ask Rabbi Jerry what happened. My son went on a trip to Israel. You know how they take the teenagers to see Yad Vashem, to see places in Israel. He came back from Israel, and he wants to put tzitzit. I'm so worried. My life is over, Rabbi. He wants to put tzitzit. Oh, my God. Oy vey. The Rabbi said, don't worry. He's only 16. He's getting excited. Give it a week or two. Don't make a big deal out of it. He'll throw it away. You sure, Rabbi? Of course. Two weeks, he won't remember anything about the trip. Two weeks later, Rabbi, you're a genius. Wow, you have Ruach HaKotej. Baruch Hashem. The next year, his second son went on a trip to Israel. Quickly, Rabbi, Jerry, we have to meet. What happened? Oh, don't ask. My son wants to put kippah in tzitzit. Not just tzitzit. Kippah and tzitzit. I'm so ashamed. What, is he going to put this thing on his head? Oh my God, I cannot show my face. People will tell me, what? Your son became mentally sick. What is he putting on his head? The rabbi told him, hey, don't worry. Remember what I told you a year ago? Same thing. Two Two and a half weeks. Two weeks for the tzitzit, another four or five days for the kippah, I'll forget it. Because after three weeks, Rabbi, you're a genius. You never let me down. The, third, the next year, the third and last son is going on a, on a trip to Israel. He came back with kippah, with tzitzit, and he wants to go to yeshiva. Dad, I want to go to Esha Torah or to Or Sameach. What is this? That's yeshiva in Yerushalayim for Balei Tshuva. I want to start learning Gemara. <laughs> oh my God, you serious? Don't do this to me, please. Rabbi Jerry, no problem, come. He said, Rabbi, it's now this time, it's really bad. It's kippah, tzitzit, and he wants to go to yeshiva. So the rabbi said, wow, we have a problem. <laughs> you need to bring your mezuzahs for me to check. <laughs> Quickly bring the mezuzah. Something maybe is not, is not kosher there. God forbid he will go to yeshiva and kill himself. This joke, as much as we laugh, is the story of the Jewish-American people. 
and European, unfortunately. We started Rosh Chodesh Tevet tonight. Tomorrow morning, tefillah, very long one tomorrow. It says, Shachrit, Baruch Alenu, Alanisim, Yale Viyavo, Halel, Kriyat HaTorah, Musaf, Baruch Hashem, at least two hours in Shul tomorrow morning. So, you know, Going back to what we started with, we ask Hashem, after I pass my test, please do not let me feel great about myself. There's one uh, guy, supposedly Breslever. He's a speaker, even though he looks like a model, with his leather jacket and gel in hair. Doesn't look to me bechlal religious. Well, tov, that's the face of the generation. One time, someone sent me a little clip from him. That's all you need. Sometimes two, three minutes clip, and you know the person is totally off. It's not like uh, it's not in my blacklist. Why is not in my blacklist? It's not a heretic on person, on, on full of ego, who wants to modify the Torah. They just make mistakes. I guess he reads it in some books, and he repeats what he reads. One of his main mistakes were that he was talking, I think, to a group of girls there or something, and he said to one of the girls there, you have to love yourself. You have to love everything you do. No matter what you do, you have to love what you do. True or false? Totally false. Against the Gemara. Against Salacha. You just murder someone. You have to love yourself for your achievement. To be ashamed of who you are. What a monster I became. And I pull your hair off. I have to be a broken heart for years now for what you just done. You barely learn. You have to love yourself from being such a bum, doing nothing with your life. You never show up to Shachrit once on time. You never say Kriyat Shema on time. You have to love yourself for that? Yeah. How can you love yourself when you do, when you commit sins that it's written clearly in a Rambam that Hashem hates you for that? Clearly, it's written in Luchot Shuvah by the Rambam. That before you did tshuva, you were despicable, pushed away, abomination. Abomination. Tmol haya, rachok, far away from Hashem. Despicable. Toeva. Toeva means abomination. And what is he today? He's loved, he's welcomed, he's a friend, Yadid. Once he did tshuva, everything flipped 180 degrees. From right to left, from left to right, completely opposite of what you used to be. But before you did tshuva, before you repented, the Rambam writes clearly that Hashem was 
very unhappy from you. So if Hashem is unhappy from me and is very disappointed from me, and the Rambam, not me, the top authority, top in Jewish law, no one is greater than the Rambam. Remember, we said, no one can predict that. Gdol Aposkim, Rabbi Moshe Ben Maimon, 900 years ago, in Spain, then in Egypt. And he writes that Hashem hated you before you became Shomer Shabbat. It's not open for negotiation. I can care less if five million modern speakers made in USA will say otherwise. Take what they say and you know where you have to put it. One word of the Rambam is greater than a word of a million speakers in our generation. Any speaker on YouTube, combine them all. They all say the opposite of what the Rambam say. Like Rambam, like, not like the speakers. You get the point, right? You get the point or no? So we can care less what people say. We only care what's written in the Rambam and in the Shulchan Aruch. That's it. Someone comes to you and says, Ah, you can come to Shul with a car. That's a crime. Who is he? Well, he owns the Shabbat. He gives discount. He modified the laws of Shabbat. No, we want people to come to the shul. That's politics. For personal gain, you twist the law. It's not allowed. You're only allowed to put Shabbat on hold for life risk, as we spoke many, many times about. Life risk. To come to shul, it's not a life risk. Pray at home. You don't have a shul in your area. It's two hours to walk. Okay, pray at home until you move closer to the shul. One of the first conditions for the goyim, if they want to convert, they have to move close to Jewish community and get involved in a, in a synagogue. Orthodox community, of course. Why? Because otherwise, where are they going to belong to? Holidays, Shabbat, this. Ah, it's going to be alone in their bedroom all their life, keeping the religion in their house. You need a community. It's helping out. So if a goy... Even a woman that is a Goya, women usually are not obligated to come to shul. But for the Goya, we say, if you want to convert, start going to the shul. Ah, the shul is not nearby, move next to the shul. Usually, what's the answer? But it's very expensive next to the shul. The Goyim are used to pay very low rent where they live. There's no Jews there. You buy a house in Philadelphia, I don't know, in some areas, Pennsylvania, for 100, 150,000, they pay for a house. That cost half a million to build. The house depreciates. Meaning, they, 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 if you want to now buy a house like this, 150. If you want to build, you go take material and workers, build the same house, will cost you half a million. Meaning, the people that build this home now wants to sell it, they lose uh, 70% of the money that came out. Not only they don't make profit, they lose money. There are many places like this in America. Detroit, this. But whenever the Jews come and they build a community, their houses begin to skyrocket. Right away. Goes from 200 to 800 in a year or two. Everywhere. Right? Everyone wants to live there. Houses in religious community, usually, history shows, never goes down. Worst case scenario, it will pause a year or two, and that's it. It doesn't go down. Why? There's a lot of demand. Even now in Israel. 
Now they just announced that last month there was decline in sales of apartments and homes, 57%. Meaning if 100 people bought houses, this month was only 43. Yeah, 43, 57% decline. So 43 out of 100 only bought. Less than half. But... The forecast for the next month or two, a huge increase in sales. Why? What happened? The war is still going. The economy gets worse. Less jobs, less stability to make money. Many people do not bring a dollar already for two and a half months since the war started. Their business is closed. All the singers, all the artists, all the athletes, everything closed. Stadiums, no concert, no nothing. And, you know, they have a lot of expenses. They live in a high lifestyle. They only release money from their savings. People that have no confidence in Hashem, they suffer right now. So why all of a sudden real estate will go very, very high? The answer is because European Jews and American Jews got the point that they must buy something in Israel. Must. If they can afford it, of course. Why? Because otherwise, you don't know what can happen here. In a minute, there can be riots here. So many Nazis around here, so many anti-Semites, every block. It's very interesting. This year, I don't see any menorah anywhere. Everywhere I drive, I look. I only see lights of the Goim. I don't see menorahs by the, by the windows, like every year. It leads me to believe that most Jews are afraid to put the menorah by the window. Some people say, ask me, if they're allowed to move the mezuzah from out the door into the inside. The mezuzah will be seen only from inside. Why do you see that Jews live in fear here? So the Jews get to the point, there's no parnassah here. Business is bad. Interest is high. Real estate is extremely expensive here. What is good about here, this place? It's became hell. So if we already have to suffer, we suffer with our brothers and sisters in Israel, with some Jews. But I want to make one comment. Whatever they tell you that real estate sales went down by 57%, it's only overall in the religious areas, it hardly ever goes down. For every house, you have 10 people jumping to buy it. Religious people expand. One person, husband and wife, become 20. 20 becomes 200. 200 becomes 2,000. I once showed the chart. Three generations of an Orthodox Jew, three generations of a Reform Jew. If there is such thing, Reform Jew. Usually they all go in. But they show you. The religious, the Hasid, first generation has seven or eight kids. They all get married. Each one of them has seven. So in one generation, you already have 64. Third generation, 64 times seven. So already have six, seven hundred grandchildren. One more generation, it becomes already 5,000. One more generation, 35,000. One more generation, 210,000. 
One more generation, 1.4 million. Seven generations. From the time of the Gaon Mivilna, 200 years, until now, seven or eight generations. Someone like the Gaon Mivilna could have been more than a million people now. If, you, if this is the way we are going. And the reform, 1,000 reform became one. They all marry Goim, they have one or two kids, three dogs and a cat. They are collectors of dogs and cats. Kids they don't want, but dogs they want. So they have maybe one kid, two, wow, two, it's mishpacha mehubat yeladim. Fanatic. Reform that have two kids is extremely, extremely fanatic. Why? Two kids? You're out of your mind? You know how much it costs to raise a child in America? Just the college? So, Baruch Hashem, the future of the Jewish people are only the religious people. The secular people will not keep the Jewish nation alive. If it was up to them, we would be gone by now. I want to ask you a question. If the secular people, almost all of them marry Goim in America, and they have barely any kids, one or two kids the most, and you need X amount of kids not to disappear. But not only they don't, re- they don't have enough kids, they also marry non-Jews. So then if they marry a non-Jewish wife, the kids are all going. So that's it. This family tree was cut. How come there are still secular Jews? Technically, we should have now have not even one left with 70% intermarriage and barely have any kids few generations like this, we should have had today only religious Jews and the rest are all going. How come there are still hundreds of thousands of secular people in America and in Israel? They come from religious families. Very good, a smart man. Unfortunately, I mean, I wish you were wrong, but it is what it is. All the secular people are products of the ultra-Orthodox society what they call kids that went off the derech. An average family have ten kids, nine, eight, one, two, sometimes even more, become secular. When it usually happened to them, either when they're 15, 16, 17, they're bad influence from friends, from people in a, in a neighborhood, on the streets of Brooklyn or Queens or whatever. Or when they go to university, slowly, slowly, they drop completely their spiritual level. In Israel, if they join the army, they finished. 97% that went to the army religious leave the army not religious. I'm talking Haredim. Haredim are not equipped to be in such a place. They can't, because they, they were raised in a certain way. The Datim Lumim, those with the needed yamaka, they already grew up half Chilonim. They grew up dressed jeans, t-shirts, all kinds of colors, yamaka in different colors, sneakers. They're not Haredim. Even those who sit and learn Torah, they're exposed to a lot of Zionist things, to all kinds of Israeli music. It's different. Since they are growing half religious, half secular, 
When I go to the army, the damage is not as big because they already grew up with this kind of mentality. Everywhere they go, around. But the Haredim, you take a Hasid now. That all his life was in Mea Sha'arim. And you send him to be a soldier. What is he going to see girls there, short sleeves, these, pants. Food is not badats, this, that. What's going on? I mean, he's not going to... We're lucky if he won't kill himself from fear. They keep saying, Haredim, you have to join the army. We have to join the army? Do you know what a, what a spiritual shock it would be? Really, the truth is, if all the Haredim would join the army, what will happen to the army? In one month, they all become Baalei Tshuva. Do you know how many sharp, genius learners you have in Yeshivot today, in Israel? Israeli Tzabra, fire, fire. Crush them in an argument. They're going to put two, three of them in a unit with 50, 60 soldiers. What do you think will happen between one battle to the other? It's all going to be arguments. We're going to give them a whole seminar. The rabbi who runs my yeshiva in Yerushalayim for 20-something years since we opened it, Rabbi Chizkizne. He's a Syrian Jew, serious tzaddik, every morning, nets. You have to see him. He's skinnier than a tripod. All day he's picking up his pants. <laughs> no, the last hole in the belt, it's still too big on him. You know, this is the type of people. One time, they still did not let him off the hook with the Israeli army reserve. Talking 25 years ago. So he told me, you know, I'm learning in yeshiva for years. They're looking for me. They don't know where I am. A few times they came to my house, the military police. Hi, where is your husband? Not home. Where is he? We need him. We want to arrest him, take him to jail. That he doesn't show up to the reserve duty. So the wife, of course, she said, well, do I know where he lands? He doesn't tell me. They came a few times, they see everything, because he's always in yeshiva, and they don't know where he is. One time, they became wise guys. At 1 a.m., they rang the phone. 1 a.m., someone ring your house, you get nervous. He picked up in, in the middle of sleep. Hello. Chaim? Mize. They hung up. A minute later, boom, 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 boom on the door. Gestapo. Open the door. Mishtara Tzvait. Come to jail. He goes to jail. Ah, the jail is no big deal. It's not jail in America. It's a nightmare here. It's like a camp. You, know, you clean a little bit, you cook, clean some bathrooms, be a gardener, pick up the leaves. They find for you what to do. Now he's there with a lot of people like him that didn't go to the reserve. So he said to me, I'm in a big room with 50 chilonim. They stand all day online to put filin. I teach them how to put filin. I explain to them Shema Yisrael. I make a whole seminar over there. I, I say, if give me another two, three weeks here, there's now one year we'll stay in Shabbat. Then after uh, two weeks, they told him, Hiski, you released. He said to me, if my wife would not be in the ninth month, I would refuse to leave. I would tell him, no, I'm not going out. Keep me here another two, three weeks. Why? I, I didn't finish my job yet. 
You get the point or no? Yeah. So now try to imagine thousands of soldiers like this mingle together with all these chilonim. Remember, most of the chilonim are secular, not because they are evil, because they have zero knowledge, they have no, they have no idea what Judaism is. And all they hear is negative brainwash. But when they get to meet someone, they are very, very shocked. Wow, I didn't know the Haredim are different than what I thought. Ah, yeah, different. <laughs> So, remember one time I had a guest. He's a brother of my brother-in-law. He came with two friends. They came to my house for Shabbat 23 years ago. His name is Guri. Guri. Why Guri? The Iraqis, they love to call their children Gurji. Gurji means handsome. But if you call your son in Israel, Gurji, you're done. No one wants to be his friend. Some names are old-fashioned. It's like calling your son in Israel, Salem. Salem, nobody wants to be his friend. But Salem is the grandfather from Syria, was Salem, or Lebanon. Yeah, in Syria, call your son Salem, not in Israel. So what happened? <laughs> so... Guri came to me with his two friends. Listen carefully to this. Now, the entire Shabbat, I give them a seminar. Motzei Shabbat, he called up his mother. She's the mother of my brother-in-law, married to my sister. He said, I think I'm going to become religious. So his mother said, I don't mind if you be religious like Yossi. <laughs> So he said to her, what do you mean? He's the most fanatic. <laughs> Why? Because the chilonim judge a person by the way they look. If they see someone with long beard and black hat, immediately they target him as a threat. But if they see someone who looks almost like them, just has a kippah, with this we can live. But that reminds me that what happened on that Shabbat, one of the three guys, I don't know, once I told you that story that you probably don't remember, one of that three guys, no, that's a different one. That's a Bukhari one. This one is Iraqi. Iraqi guy. <laughs> in the middle of Shabbat table, I have lots of guests in a long table, lots of guests, all kinds of guys, this, that. And I have the three Israeli ones. And then this guy had an ego and temper started to speak Lashon Ara about whom? Ravovadia. Open up his lousy mouth, starting to speak harsh words against Ravovadia. Is this, is that, all the nonsense he heard on the media. His two friends say to him, Dachilak, we are guests in the house of a rabbi, are you attacking his hero? Nibu, enough, you're embarrassing us. He got angry. He was expecting to get a backup from his two secular friends. <laughs> when he saw everyone in the table is against him, now his ego went into action. He got up, pushed the chair like this. I'm done. I'm going to the room. 
He went to the room. The two guys said, we saw, I mean, we saw a shame. Didn't know he's going to behave like that. Forgive us. So no, what is it your problem? Rabotai, <laughs> two minutes later, we hear from the room screaming like you never heard in your life. Know what kind of screaming? Oh, loud! All of us jumped. We ran all the way in the hallway to the last room where he was. Opened the door. I see him sitting on the bed, holding his neck like this. His eyes came out like two tennis balls. And he's going like this. Ah, screaming, becoming red. His eyes blown up like this. Don't touch him. I wanted to come to touch him. Don't touch him. I said to myself, there's some kind of a spirit attacking him. 20, 30 seconds like this. I was holding them like this. We don't know what to do. And then he started to breathe. <gasps> like this. So what happened? You okay? Some demon came to choke me. Shed. His friend. Remember, it's two secular friends. His friend said to him, you see what happened when you speak Lashon Arayabad Rav Ovadia? What do you think happened with this guy? Seven, eight, maybe nine months later, I went to Israel. I asked my brother-in-law, how's your brother, this? How's his two friends? How is this Iraqi? <laughs> now it's the story of Rehovot. How the demon choked him because he spoke of Shona So he said to me, I'm not going to believe it. He became religious. He went to yeshiva. He's now teaching Ben Ishchai for beginners. I said, Ma? Became religious. <coughs> With all his ego and all his anger, he have to take the hand off. That in the end, he went home and did a calculation. Cheshbon Nefesh. I went to yeshiva. Started to learn is Iraqi. The Iraqis are attracted to Benishchai. Iraqi and Persians, whenever they come to the Shiva, they don't even know why. They're always attracted to the Benishchai. You know why? He was the rabbi in their past life. He was the chief rabbi of Iran, Afghanistan, Iraq, all these areas. He was the chief rabbi of this whole area. Very possible in their past life they learned by him. When Yishchai used to speak in Shabbat, 10,000 people came in Baghdad. No microphone. 10,000 people in a synagogue. Some of them outside. It's open out. And everybody heard his voice. With many 10,000 people. You know how hard it is? It's probably 200 yards or more. To all directions. The Ben Ishchai signed on a, on a business name of his brothers. His brothers were Iraqi business people in Baghdad. He was, of course, learning Torah nonstop. The brothers gave him uh, support, financial, but he signed all the papers because he needed to have a good name in Iraq. And he doesn't have any record. No criminal record, never been arrested, never been sued. He's not in business. His name will always remain clean. Until they went bankrupt. The, the uh, Iraqi police, Mohabarat, they came to arrest the Ben Ishchai. They put him in jail. It's not like here in America. Call now! 
before they change the laws of bankruptcy, we will help you and direct you how to steal all the money you owe to your creditors. That's the ads on the radio. In a normal country, you aren't getting away with what you owe. They come after you. You owe money to people, you got to pay it back. So they put the Ben in, in a jail. Then after a month, people started to come and say, you're putting the rabbi, the chacham, you're putting him in jail. What does he have to do with the business? He's sitting all, I'm bringing a thousand witnesses. He never stepped in a the business. They realized he's innocent. They released him. What did the Ben Shai say? That the happiest month of his life was the month that he was in a jail in Baghdad. Why? Because he's sadistic? He's a masochist, ma? No. He said that there were a lot of souls reincarnated in the walls of the, of the jail, and he made a tikkun for all of them. I would assume Jewish, Iraqis that were in that place, they died. He said that he made tikkunim to all the neshamot galgelu bakirot. This is the kind of rabbis we had five, six generations ago. And what are we left with? Shem Top, let's move on. Now we're going to get a lesson how you fool the Satan. You want to learn another trick? Yosef is a very, very nice looking 17 years old teenager. Until now he was learning Torah with his father every day. His father made him special outfit. The brothers were jealous. They threw him in a pit. He was sold and he ended up in Egypt. Now he's in Egypt. They sold him to the house of Potiphar, one of the government member of Paro. Sar, it's a minister. Potiphar is a wife that the Gemara said that she's one of the prettiest women ever lived. Beauty that cannot be even described how pretty she was. So she's a rich woman living in a palace of a minister, having servants. Who is her servant? Yosef. And right away, she fell in love with him. Not only she fell in love with him, she went to all these fortune tellers that look at the stars and read what's the future. And they told her that she's going to have a child with him. That's her destiny. She has to have a child with him. So she, the Gemara say, actually wanted, not for prostitution or for illegal intimacy. She wanted to do it because she believed that's the will of God. The Gemara say it. The Gemara is objective. Why the Gemara gives such a woman any compliment? You give a married woman who go and start with a 17 years old servant when she has a husband in a house, you give her any compliment? Absolutely not. But if the Gemara say that she meant L'Shem Shamaim, that means that that was the case. She's changing clothes for him twice a day. Gadim Changing outfits, perfumes, rose water. She invites all the fancy people, the wives of the ministers, all the fancy people, and she tells them, you never saw such a nice-looking man in your life, this Hebrew. His name is Yosef. You have to come see. The Midrash said they were serving them etrogim. The etrogim, today, they don't have taste. But 3,000 years ago, they taste like honey. 
was very, very good uh, fruit, the etrog, that we use in Arbat Aminim. So they're cutting etrogim, they want to eat, they slice them. When they saw he walked into the room, they were so shocked from his beauty, they cut their fingers. They forgot that they have knife in cutting the etrogim, they cut their fingers. That's what the Midrash says. The Midrash said when Yosef was walking on the street, the women were throw themselves on the floor just to look at him because he was walking like this. Because he knew that the women come to start with him. So he went like this. So how can you look at his face? You have to fall on the floor. This is the, the, the test he had. And this was after he lost his tzaddik father, Yaakov. This is after the brother betrayed him and sold him for 20, 20 shekel. Price of shoes made in China. We can buy one, uh, one pita with what they sold Yosef for. Manash klum, 20 shekel. Imagine the, tra- the trauma. Your, all your brothers sold you, they don't care, you die, you'll be a male prostitute in Egypt, you'll never see your family, there's no Google, no telephone, no, no video call, no FBI to search for you. Once you're gone, you're gone. You never see your family again. Depression. And now the previous woman in a country doesn't leave you alone the second. Imagine what test Hashem put him in. Why Hashem did this to him? The Torah said it. Because he admired his beauty. He was fixing his hair. Today it means, today we call it putting hair, gel in hair, fixing his blurit 50 times before he leaves the house. He loves the barber shop. Every two, three days, he shave over here, size zero. Tell him it's not allowed, it's against the Torah. You have to leave sideburn. Oh, don't be fanatic. Over here it's okay. No, it has to be below the bone. It's below the bone. What? Your bone is one inch lower. Such big yetzerah. I ask one American kid, tell me, what does it make a difference if your hair sideburns will come to here or to here? Does it change your look? Don't you see that it's the yetzerah? I understand if you want hair and someone tell you shave your hair, don't have hair. Okay, change your look. But if it's going to be a little bit longer on the side, who looks at you, Bichlal? People look at you from the front. They don't even see the sideburns if it's a little bit lo- But it's Yetzerara. Satan is pushing for him to shave above the bone. Every time he does it, it's like eating pork. You come to the same American Bachur Yeshiva. I have a delicious steak. Look at this two-pound steak for you. There's only one problem. It's pork. Mommy, pork? Take it out of the house, you fool. Why are you bringing me pork to the house? I want you to eat barbecue pork. Don't worry, put a good sauce on it. <laughs> no, no, ich. I smell that. Oh, my God, pork. What's this hypocrisy? Pork is less than the haircut you just had an hour ago. Pork is one sin from the Torah. Here and here, it's two. Two. So, Yosef fixes his hair. Apparently, this problem is an old-fashioned problem. It happened almost 3,400 years ago, 3,300 years ago. So, Yosef is fixing his hair. He supposedly has nice hair. 
you look at yourself in a mirror. You became a woman, No problem. Lapetach. Chatat rovetz. The Yetzirah is, you know those dogs that wait by the door, waiting for someone to open the door, and right away they sneak in? They have patience. One, two, three hours, attached to the door, the konenut. They're ready. Someone opened the door, they sneak in. This is exactly how the Yetzirah is. He's sitting, surveillance, watching, learning, learning you. As soon as you open the door, shh, he's in. Once he's in, he occupies every inch of you. Remember one time I told you the story, there was one cheap guy. He's afraid to go to the bathroom, maybe we'll have to eat again, to eat costs money. So he's very, very cheap. Now you know, when someone is cheap, no normal woman wants to marry a cheap guy. So he calls the Shatchan, he said, listen, I'm almost 30 years old, you never offered me one Shiduch. The Shatchan said, of course not. How can I offer you Shiduch? You don't even have a place to live. You have a supermarket and you sleep in the back on the flower bags. Why are you going to take your kala to sleep in the back on the rice bags? If you would have a nice apartment, then we will take care of you. Oh, so that's the problem? You don't like where I live? No problem, I'll rent a place. He looked in the newspaper, he found a place. An old couple, they're alone in a the house. They have extra room with the bathroom. They want to rent it out. How much? 800 a month. He comes, I can I see the room, see the room, see a bathroom. He said, how much would it be to rent only the bathroom without the room? They said, what do you mean? I don't really need the room, I just need the bathroom. I'll be using the bathroom from time to time. Listen, we didn't have a tenant for a while. We might as well get something for the bathroom. 200 is good, make it 150. <laughs> as he writes the check for 150, his hand is shaking, a few tears falling <laughs> off his eyes. You okay, sir? <laughs> I never wrote such a large check in my life. <laughs> Sir, listen, it's the cheapest you can get. Where are you going to get a bathroom for 150 a month? Thank you, I appreciate it. Right away, now he has a contract signed. He went and got a dead rat with a, with a nail. Boom, banged the, the, the dead body of the rat right to the wall of the bathroom and left. Went back to the supermarket. Two, three days, he came to check by. What happened? The dead animal began to smell. First in the room, starting to go to the living room. The old couple say, oh, doesn't smell good in this room. Let's move to the terrace. Let's move to the kitchen. Let's move to the other room. Ah, now the whole house is a nightmare. Nobody can breathe. They bang on the door. Say, can, can I help you? What's going on over there? Shh, it's my territory. I have a contract. You okay? <laughs> we can't breathe. Go take a walk. This old couple moved to their son. One year we cannot live in a house. Once they left, he got rid of the rat, opened the windows, and now he has, Baruch Hashem, a private home for $150 a month. This is the mashal. 
the parable. What's the nimshal? How do you say nimshal in English? The moral of the story? The moral of the story. What's the moral of the story? That's how the Yetzirah occupy you more and more every day. First, he penetrate to that little bathroom. One thing of heresy. You turn YouTube and you see the face of Santa. I wonder what he has to say, this Santa. You listen five minutes. That's it. The venom is in. It's bubbling now. It's bubbling in the system. One avera goreret avera, the Gemara says. Avera goreret avera. Mitzvah goreret mitzvah. Avera goreret avera. One little sin caused to do another sin and another one until you become a monster. So how do we get rid of this Yetzirah? How we fool him? That's the trick now. Listen carefully. Yaakov and Yosef is a school for life. The life of Yaakov and the life of Yosef are very similar. They went through the same steps in their life. In the beginning, the evil inclination putting all his efforts to prevent a person from doing good deeds. It's not right away turned you into a murderer. First, ah, you dive in too much. You read too much Tehillim. You don't have to be so crazy. Too much. Do a little bit less. You don't have to be fanatic. Person needs to know how it works. The Rebbe from Slonim. What's his name? Baal Be'er Avraham. Sadmor from Sloni. He gives us a beautiful Dvar Torah to teach us how to fight the evil inclination. When Eshet Potiphar seduced Yosef, the wife of Potiphar, what does it say in the Torah? Vayemaen. He refused. What is the time on that? Like a ladder. Shalshelet. Like a chain. It looks like a chain. How do they read it in a shul? It's like an endless word. Very, very long. Why is it? So, Rabbi from Slonim say, how many times you have in the Torah this time shall shell it? Chain four times. That's it. In the whole Torah, other simanim you have hundreds of times or thousands of times. This only four times. Very unique. When? When do you have it? Four words in the Torah that have this ladder on top. What is it? First time when Hashem destroyed Sodom and saved Lot and his two daughters. Vait ma'ama. Vait ma'ama. So we have Vait ma'ama. Vayemayen. Now, next time, Eliezer Eved Avraham is going to find a wife for Yitzchak. He comes to the well to pray. And what did he say? Vayomar. You have Shalshelet again. Vayomar. Like this. Tov. Another time, in Yosef, 
וימאן, like we just said, with Eshet Potiphar, refused. And the four times in Parashat Shmini, in the word Vaishchat, what is the connection between those four words? Vayemaen, Vayishchat, Vayomar, Vayitmaama. Translation, Vayemaen, and he refused. Vayishchat, and he slaughtered. Vayomar, and he said. Vayitmaama, and he was delayed. You get it or no? The Rebbe from Slonim said, when a person has a strong Yetzirah, fights him, fights him, and he feels he's about to lose to his evil inclination, right? And he doesn't let him think. Quick, 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 someone is pushing. The first advice, how do you fight the evil inclination? Vait ma'ama. You stole yourself. Stole. Postpone. Postponed it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Give me a few minutes. We'll do it. Calm down. We'll do it. We'll do it. Wait, mama. Delay. Delay it as much as you can. Recalculating. Thinking. Should I do? Should I not do? Okay. Could do it maybe tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. What's the rush? I'm here. Second advice. Vayomar. What's Vayomar? Talk to Hashem. Speak to Hashem. Hashem, help me out. I'm about to fall. I don't want to commit a sin. Please, please, help me out. I'm weak. I'm falling. Then what if a person stole, doesn't rush to do the sin, and he talks to Hashem, what comes now? The answer will be, no, I'm not doing it. Sorry. Refuse. He can win the Yetzirah, refuse to listen to it, to the evil inclination. If he constantly repeated every day, every hour, one day he will reach the fourth word, which is Vaishchat. And he slaughtered. Slaughtered who? His own evil inclination. After you have the same test again and again and again, and you keep defeating your Yetzirah, he's not giving up again and again and again and again, you become immune to that particular test. Not a test anymore. In the beginning, first time was the hardest. Second time, a little less, 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 until you defeated him. He's going to try to come with a different custom now. To put a different trap. But for this, he gave up. Doesn't bother you with this. We have another hint in the Torah for this. What is the what is the verse? Kikne Adam Eved Ivri person bought a Jewish slave, servant. Sheshanim Yavdo, six years he will work. Chinam and Kasef for free. You become free. Liberation. Says Chazal is talking about the Yetzirah, the evil inclination. If a person is about to become a servant of the evil inclination, you have to work very hard for how long? Six years. 
fighting, ויעבוד. You work very hard. What? To overcome the test that the evil inclination keeps bringing you. Once you six years do not commit sins, come the seven year and set you free for life. Now it's guaranteed you will never ever commit that sin again. Other sins, different story. Six years you work on your midot, like they did in Slovotka and some of these yeshivot. Rav Israel Misalant, Asaba Mikelem, all these Ashkenazi yeshivot, they were very, very good in the last 200 years with Musar. One thing, the Ashkenazim, they helped the Jewish world very, very much. Hasidim helped the world in their way, with happiness and gathering and, and, uh, and the way they separate themselves from the goyim. This was very, very important for the Jewish nation to have the Hasidim. Plus, every Jewish community today in the world starts thanks to the Hasidim. They are the only one who like bulldozer from nothing with faith and few dollars. They stick something over here. We're going to make a new Vishnitz. He'll come two years later, an empire. Minyanim, hundreds of homes, Hasidim move. Now comes the Litvish, the Sfaradim. After the Hasidim planted everything. Right away, kosher butcher, fleisch. Satmer fleisch. Right away, mikveh. Maybe the mikveh before the butcher. First mikveh. And bet midrash for the kids. And right away, there's a community in the middle of nowhere. You come ten years later, that's it, Monsi. Big, big cities. All over the world like this. The Litvish, the yeshivot in Europe, they were in a yeke style. They taught a person avodat amidot, how to work in eliminating your yetzerara, on your ego, your anger, your pride, your manners, your cleanness. It's very difficult. Of course, there's no way, no way to improve yourself without learning Torah daily. No way. If you live in a zoo, you become one of the monkeys of the zoo. If you're not convinced, allow me to read to you the words of the Rambam. With your permission. Not my words, don't say I say. Rambam, Ilchot Deot, Perek Vav, chapter 6. We'll start from the first halacha. Derech Briyato Shel Adam. Liyot Nimshach Bedeotav Uvemaasav Achareav Dechaverav. The way of the human being is to be attracted in his opinions and his actions after his friends and the people of his country. Therefore, because of that, a person has to make sure to connect himself to righteous friends. And to sit always among the high scholars, the Chachamim of Torah, that he should learn from their behavior, from the way they talk, from the way they eat, how they wake up in the morning, how they pray, how they learn, how they watch their mouth and their eyes, how they treat their kids, how they respect every human being. There's so much to learn from them. 
One month you live by Chacham like this, you become a whole different person. One month, that's it. Isolate yourself completely from the wicked people that you should not learn from their actions. What happened? You became so fanatic. Moshe, you forgot how you used to come with us to the club in Manhattan Friday night? Mother, now you want to religious? You don't say hello to your friends? You don't come? Itzik at the birthday party, you're not showing up. We are leaving you messages you don't answer. What is this? You're such a show-off. You're such a, you have such ego. We're not good enough for you. The answer, no, you're not good enough for me. You are living in a constant sin and rebellion against God. I don't want anything to do with you. Ah, come on, we grew up together. You should have sentiment to us, sentimental, you know, ah, come on, we're brothers, we're cousins. You forgot? I help you so much. All of those words is the words of the Satan. Satan is talking from their mouth. The Satan knows he's about to lose you permanently. How is he going to gain you back? Will convince you to be in touch with all your old friends. Birthday party, come, the girls, wow, you look good with the beard. I know I can give you a hug. Moshe, married woman like this, not dressed, sit with them with all the clowns. What they watch over there, it's poison that penetrates every hole of your body right now. The Gemara said Rish Lakish was a gangster before he became religious. How Rabbi Yochanan made him a Baal Tshuva? <laughs> Rish Lakish walked by the lake and saw from far a pretty woman. At least that's what he thought. Once he jumped into the water like Tarzan. You remember Tarzan? Oh, Swim like this. When he arrived to that lady, he found out it's not a lady, it's a man. Rabbi Yochanan right away knew why would he jump all the way to here. There were no gays in those days. People were normal back then. So he knew he thought he's a woman. Why? Why he thought he's a woman? Because Rabbi Yochanan the Gemara said did not have beard. Some people have no beard growing. That's their genes. Mexicans, Italianos. They have very thin beard or no beard at all. Barely. So he looked so... Rabbi Yochanan looked prettier than a woman, the Gemara said. He looked so good. I was sitting by the mikveh, learning by the mikveh, that when married women would come out of the mikveh, the first thing they would see, it's his image. Why? Because the first thing the woman sees when she comes out of the mikveh will affect how her baby would look. You may say, oh, I look at something and it will affect how my baby would look. Dark, light, blue eyes, green eyes, brown eyes. This is how it's going to be? Oh, come on. Who are you telling stories? Who can show me a proof for that in the Torah? Written in the Torah. Not stories of the Baba from the kibbutz. The sheep with Yaakov. Yaakov made stains on the poles. When the female and male sheep become intimate, where is it? By the water, when they come to drink. 
The woman come to drink and the male come behind and right away become intimate with her. This is the way of the sheep. So Yaakov put in front of their eyes the images that he wanted the babies to look like. Why? Because when a female looks at it, at the minute she conceived, it's going to affect. And all the babies that were born to the sheep were with the right stains that he agreed with Lavan in advance. Those who will be born like that comes to me. The other one goes to you. That's how Yaakov became a millionaire. So he pulled a good scam on Lavan. Was that permitted, by the way? If Lavan would know the trick, and he would take Yaakov to bed then. And so we made a deal that every sheep that will be born in this shape goes to you, and the other shape comes to me. But you tricked. You put all kinds of images. As a result of that, you affected how the babies look. Kosher or not? Apparently, yes. You didn't see anywhere in the Torah that Hashem complained about it. But maybe not. Why Hashem didn't complain about it? Because he took advantage on him for 20 years. He owed him a lot more than the sheep. So when someone stole from you a million dollars and then a diamond ring that belongs to him fell to your hand and it's worth $50,000 and you grabbed it and put it in your pocket, it's not considered stealing. He still owe me 950 you get it or no? Yeah. Like Mara is an argument if you're allowed to break into his house and take what's yours. Stole from you an expensive watch. He doesn't take it out of his house. You come, you knock on the door, you open the door. Oh, Itzik, how you doing? What brings you to my house? What brings me to your house, huh? You little thief. <laughs> I came to take my watch. Don't go in, I'll call 911. The question is, what's the halacha? If he wants to push him now, run into the house and grab the watch and, and jump out. Can he do it or not? Yeah. That's the question in the Gemara. A person is allowed to be the judge of his own case. Are you allowed to be a defendant and a judge at the same time? Usually no, no. Imagine you go to court, you say to the judge, you can go on a lunch break. I will be the judge of this case. <laughs> Someone is suing you. Judge, you look tired. I see you slept late. Go, go to the cafeteria here in the court. Come back in two hours. I'll be also the judge, not just the defendant. It's a joke, no? But what happens if you grab something that is yours? The question is, are you allowed to break his teeth, go inside and take it by force or not? What's the halacha? Allowed or not allowed? Only if it arrives to your hand. What does it mean arrive to your hand? You forgot already that you always did the money. You think you, forg you forgot. And he said to you one day, I owe money to a guy. I know you're going there. Can you take this envelope and give it to him? So of course, it's like giving the cat the cheese to watch. It's nice cheese, you know. You say to the cat, sweet caddy, please watch the, the cheese until I come back. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. So, what happened? You know, if the envelope came to your hand, you open the envelope, 
whatever money is there, you can keep in your pocket. Hey, Moshe, you didn't deliver the envelope to Ruven? Of course not. Why? You forgot you owe me $10,000? Now you owe me nine. The thousand that you sent to Ruven, I repossessed it. Allowed or no? Allowed. Can he get it out of you? Still owe you nine. You know what the problem with these things? That usually people that find now a trick like this to get back what's theirs, usually the Yetzirah, the Satan, will convince them to take a little more. So from being a victim, they turned into thieves. You know what it is? For instance, if a guy works in a deli or in a bagel store and his boss takes advantage on him, Supposed to finish, uh, it starts at uh, 6 a.m., supposed to finish at 4 p.m., 10 hours a day. Let's say they agree, pays him $20 an hour. So now it's $200 cash a day. But what does he do, this tricky boss? Always leave him until uh, 4.30, 4.45. Every day, extra half an hour, extra 45 minutes. By the end of the month, it's 10, 20 hours extra. That's $200. He steals from him every month. So this worker decided, you know what, I'll teach him a lesson. I will calculate how much more I work, and when he's not around, I'll take it from the register. Technically, he didn't really steal. The guy owed him the money. The problem with these things is, usually the Yetzirah will convince you to take more. Because after you're going to take what he actually took advantage on you, the Yetzirah will come with his next trick. Come on, he's taking advantage of you. You work like three workers. This cheap boss, look at you, you're the only worker here. Look, 20 people standing online, you do a job of three people. He should pay you 60 an hour. Overtime. Overtime. And what happened? To take the 200 extra, it's not enough anymore. Because this guy is taking, he made me a slave. I work like three people. Believe me, I'm very considerate. I only charge you for two, even though I do a job over three. And that's when you become a thief. Do you understand or no? So what's the solution? You tell the boss, listen, you're keeping me longer. You have to pay me longer. That's it. He doesn't want. Let him fire you. Parnasa is in the hand of Hashem. Now the Rambam continue. The Rambam says, so... Oh, so I started to explain that Rish Lakish, after he jumped to the lake, and when he saw that it's a man, Rabbi Yochanan said to him, don't worry, don't be disappointed. It's true I'm a man, but I have a sister that is a lot prettier than me. So if you start coming tomorrow to the yeshiva and start learning with me, if you, I see that you improve your bad ways, I will set you up with my sister. And that's what happened. So Rish Lakish... He jumped to commit a sin with a woman. In the end, got the best woman in the end. How did he go from being so negative into the highest level of being positive? He just changed. One of the things, and this is what reminds me of the story, one of the things the Gemara say about Rish Lakish, that every person that he spoke to on the street, say hello and shook his hand, all the rich people that were looking where to invest their cash ran to that person. Hi, nice to meet you. What's your name? Ruven. Who are you? Yosef. 
Why you want to meet me? We saw the Chacham Rish Lakish. We saw the Chacham Rish Lakish. Gave you hi and shook your hand. That means you are 100% righteous and honest. Because since he left the crime world and became such a tzaddik, he never spoke another word to any wicked person. He wiped out all his bad friends from the past. He didn't go to their birthday party and to the rest of their nonsense. So if he say hi to you, we trust you without knowing you. What do we learn from here? The best and most perfect way to become a Baal Tshuva is immediately to cut all your bad friends from your life. What happens if it's your own brothers in the house? Parents. Parents. Grandparents. What are you going to do? You have a brother, roommate in your room. Chalel Shabbat. Smoke grass all day. Do a lot of bad things. Adraba, that's a very big test for you. Your reward is ten times bigger. He ruins your Shabbat, he ruins the atmosphere. You have to fight with yourself. Hashem gives you a much higher reward. But the first opportunity you're going to have to move out of that place, the better it is. So what's the solution? Go to yeshiva with the door. You don't have to be with your siblings in the house. Why? They're not going to help your, your spiritual growth. If any, they'll pull you down. Now, I didn't say that. The Rambam said. I read it to you. The Rambam said. So right away, you have to stay away from the wicked that walks in the darkness. That you should not learn from their action. And this is what King Solomon wrote. Someone who followed the, the wise people, the Talmidei Chachamim, will become wise. Someone who likes foolish, stupid friends that does stupid things, someone like that will become one of them, just like them. And it's written in the first verse of Sefer Teilim. When you write a book, you want to start your book with a big statement. It has to be interesting. First Pasuk. David HaMelech opened Tehilim with a very critical verse. What is the verse? Ashrei Aish Asher Lo Alach Be'atzat Reshaim Ashrei means lucky is the man who did not walk in the path and the advice of the wicked people. And the verse finished with Ube'moshav Letzim Lo Yashav he did not sit with the wicked clown. Clown is not someone who is in a circus putting some red lipstick on his cheeks with a big nose and a grandma hair or a mask. That's a clown in a circus. There are clowns everywhere around us, in the street, in a building, in a neighborhood, in your own house. There are clowns. What does it mean clown? Someone that nothing is serious, takes everything as a joke. All the time jokes, dirty jokes, stupid things come from his mouth constantly. So David HaMelech say, first thing in life, make sure to live with the righteous. 
I have uh, maybe five, maybe more, five Bukharian families that I convinced them over the years to move from Queens to Monsi. In Queens, you have hundreds of hundreds of religious Bukharian families, Orthodox. Put the kids in yeshivot, keeping Shabbos, giving tzedakah, coming to shul every day three times. The wife is very modest, mikveh, everything. I'm inviting you to take a tour to the community in Queens or in Brooklyn, just see the people, and then come see those five families in Monsi and see the difference. They are a hundred times in a higher level. Not two times. hundred times in a higher level. In, in the way they developed. Why? You live in a city with 150,000 religious people. There's not one goy there, Kimat. You cannot find one goy there. No, no goyim. And no, almost no secular people. Hardly ever there's some relatives of someone comes from Israel that are not religious. The kids don't see them. The kids have only religious friends. The kids play in the streets, in the backyard, in the front yard, in a basketball court. It's all religious people. They don't see all the dirt of Brooklyn. They don't see the dirt of the streets of Queens. They don't see all of that. They don't see the drug dealers of every corner. They don't hear the music, the terrible music coming from every car in a, in a, at the light. They don't, they don't see all these people that curse every other world. They don't see them. They don't see their tattoos. They don't see their haircuts. They don't see the way they care. They don't see anything. They don't see girls that are not modest walking naked on the street. That's a very big difference of raising children. Just come and see. Every one of them, what an unbelievable religious family they became. Mamash, mamash, Bnei Torah. They all learn every day. And they still travel to Queens to work, coming back. It's not easy. Nothing to compare between the Baalei Tshuva of Brooklyn and Queens to the Baalei Tshuva of Lakewood or, or Monsi, which a place is only Torah. Torah, Torah everywhere. It's all religious. Nothing to compare. Even in places like Jerusalem and Bnei Brak, it's not as good. Why? Because you have tons of chilonim there. Tons of Arabs walking, construction workers. It ruins the atmosphere. You have to do everything you can to isolate you and your family from the wicked people. The less you see them, the less you talk to them, the less you feel their presence around you, the better you do for your soul. This is a fact, and it's not open for any argument. This is the word of Hashem in a hundred places in the Torah. This is the words of Chazal in thousand places of the Talmud. <coughs> and this is the Halakha. Halakha. Rambam writes, Rambam writes Halakhot. He doesn't write stories. <coughs> Give him water, please. So... The Rambam continue. If you live in a country when the people and the laws of that place is wicked, the people of that place do not go in the right path. 
למקום שאנשיו צדיקים. Move to a different country. Don't live in a country of wicked people. Move to a place when the people are righteous. ונוהגים בדרך טובה. ופעלו a good path. ואם היו כל המדינות שהוא יודען ושומע שמועתן נוהגים בדרך לא טובה כמו זמננו And if all the countries that he knows around him are all wicked like in our days This was 900 years ago Imagine if the Rambam would live today what he would say Because remember in his time there was no women that are not modest Amen So remember, in the time of the Rambam, we didn't have naked people on the street. Everyone believed in God, even the Muslim, the Goyim. <laughs> Life without God was not possible. And still he said that all the countries are wicked. Why? Christians, idol worshippers. Muslims, anti-Semites, they want to see Jewish blood. Nothing has changed since then. Same story. דרמב״ם קונטיני, או שאינו יכול ללכת למדינה שמינה נוגע טובים, maybe he cannot afford to move to a different country that the people are righteous, או he's disabled, let's say, so he cannot go, right? או because there's an army or there's a border, soldiers will not let him enter the country, what we say today doesn't have a visa. יושב לבדו יחידי, will live alone, with no contact to people. כעניין שנאמר ישב בדד וידום, sit lonely and be quiet, meaning don't talk to anyone. ואם היו רעים וחטאים שאין מניחים אותו לשב במדינה אלא אם כן יתערב עמהם ונהג כמנהג המרה, if the people in this place harass him, who do you think you are? You come with us. You better come and you better work and if you're not going to do it, we're going to attack you and force him to be with them. Yetze lamearot velachavachim Today we call it chuchim, meaning holes, caves. We'll go to the desert, to the mountains and live in a cave that no one will find him there. will take a goat, sheep, and a few chickens that will give him eggs and milk and meat if he wants. Once there's babies, he can, you know, eat meat. And what happened? Will isolate himself from people will not agree to sit together and follow the wicked people. Second halacha. That was the first halacha. Second halacha. Mitzvah taseh, it's mitzvah from the Torah, obligation, li'idabek b'chachamim, to stick to the righteous talmidei chachamim. Li'lmod mima'aseem. They will influence you. You become one of them. שנאמר ובו תדבק, you have to stick to Hashem. What does it mean you have to stick to Hashem? How do you stick to Hashem? You stick to the rabbis, to the kosher one, not the clowns on my black list. From them you have to run like away from a fire. The Rambam says, וכי אפשר לאדם להידבק בשכינה, שכויח, 
וכי אפשר לאדם, a person can stick to the שכינה, to the holiness of Hashem. אלא אמרו חכמים, זה גמרא סייז, מצווה זו להידבק בחכמים ותלמידיהם. Sticking to Hashem means to stick to the חכמים that knows and speak Torah all the time. The more you attach to him, it's count like you attach to Hashem. See? The way to glue yourself to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is to glue yourself to the Chachamim. And what happens if you don't have Chachamim? Not that many. Or there are few, but they don't have time for you. So why, why should they have time for you? You're not in the Yeshiva. They have hundreds of Talmidim they have to take care of. You show out of nowhere and you want to be attached to them? It's not that easy. What do you do? You stick to Rabbi Avigdor Miller books. What difference does it make if he's alive or not alive right now? The books is everything that came out of his mouth. You read it, it's like you're with him in a class. You don't read it, you're far away from him. You read it, you are becoming a student. And Rabotai. What else does it mean to be stuck to the Talmidei Chachamim? You have to do everything you can to marry a daughter of a Chacham. Someone who is an Avrech in Yeshiva, in Kolel. Do everything you can for him to agree to give you his daughter for wife. Don't take a daughter of Amaaretz businessman who barely knows how to read and write. No, no, no. Bat Talmid Chacham. Avrech, poor! Don't worry, it's all on me. I'll pay everything. Just give me your daughter. Why? Well, uh, to, to have such a mother to your children, what can be better than that? Ve'asibito, and if you have a daughter, you have to do everything you can to marry her to a chacham, to a bachur yeshiva. Not to some clown from the business. What do you do for a living? Sell bitcoin. Tov? Sell Bitcoin, but doesn't mean I have to give my daughter to you to be your wife. So what should I do to get your daughter? Sit three, four years in yeshiva. Don't come out of the Bet Midrash. Fix yourself. Purify your neshama. Then I'll be honored to give you my daughter. במקום שבעלי תשובה עומדים, אפילו צדיקים גמורים אינם עומדים, נגמר הסבס. בעל תשובה is higher than religious from birth, if they are real. Some are fake, unfortunately. And Rabotai, you have to do everything you can to marry a bad Talmid Chacham, to marry your daughter to Talmid Chacham, to eat and to drink with Talmid Chachamim. You heard there's a rabbi in town. Someone said that he's going to have a Saudat Rosh Chodesh in the house of this family. Run! An opportunity to sit next to this Chacham for two, three hours, hear the Torah. Wonderful. He rather ran to see some athlete. Some singer. Singer. Can we take a selfie? Leave the Chacham and go to hug with the Mechalel Shabbat Israeli singer. Full of tattoos. That's his hero. The chief rabbi is sitting in a room. Who does he want selfie with? First, before the singer would leave. That's his ideology. Singer with tattoo, Mechalel Shabbat, earring on his nose, and few bags of drugs in his pocket comes before the big Chacham that learned Torah 60 years. Why? He doesn't appreciate Torah. He doesn't know. And the Gemara say, 
שנאמר לדווקא בו, ציוו חכמים, חכמים commended us, ומתאבק בעפר רגליהם ושותה בצמא את דבריהם. מקשור, that you are being dusted, meaning when they walk, their dust, the floor wasn't like today, it was all sand, so it spreads dust. Make sure that you get dirty from the dust when they walk, that it's falling on you, meaning you attach to them. That's an expression. And drink their words with thirst. of this chapter, the Ram speak about how to rebuke people. If you see someone goes in the wrong direction, you have to rebuke them, you have to know how to do it, don't insult them. Usually when you want to rebuke a person, what's the trick? You don't write the way target the bad thing he does. First you have to praise him. You soften his heart. Wow, I heard he's such a great father. Wow, your boys, I see your boys in the shul. Wow, what a great tzaddikim. Wow, your son learning. I wish I had a son like that. Find what to say. Some people, there's nothing good to find about them. Make up something. Once you first start with positive, immediately feels like your friend. Now you become friend. Doesn't mean you have to rebuke him right away. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe the next day. First, build relationship with him. Sometimes it takes five minutes. You have a good click. Wow, what's up, brother? Hey, what's up, bro? Two minutes later, you can say to him, Oh, I heard these cigarettes is a killer, this vibe, vaping. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. I can't breathe. <laughs> All day I'm coughing. Let, let me take you somewhere. We'll help you out. I heard you're going to pray in that shul. I heard a big rabbi say, you're not allowed to step in that shul. Really? Why? Because uh, the head of that shul invited a priest, a Christian missionary, to speak to the community. It's not a kosher place. Wow. You're right. It looks strange to me, but I didn't know. Okay, now you know. Why is he listening to you? Because he first gave him compliment. If you come right away and attack him, he won't agree to listen. Not only that, I'll kick you out. That's why you are only allowed to rebuke someone when you have a relationship with them. We're lucky. Imagine if there wasn't the law. We would have to stand on Shabbat all day on the street and scream, Shabbat, Shabbat, why are you driving? Wow, how can you do such thing? If we knew all the people, they were all our friends, we were not allowed to let them drive. Why we don't have to run on the street and rebuke them Halalei Shabbat in Israel? Because we have nothing to do with them. We are trying to be righteous and they are trying to be wicked. We have no obligation to save them. It's a great honor if we were able to turn them into righteous people. That's what we do, Kiruv. But there is no obligation to rebuke a clown. There is no obligation to rebuke someone who doesn't believe in Hashem. Someone that tells you I'm an atheist, you don't have an obligation to rebuke him. Just send him, get lost and that's it. Don't want anything to do with you. Why? There are rules. Hashem gave us rules. 
He doesn't expect me to run after every weekend to make fun at the religion. Let's, al tocheach, let's penisnecha, it's written. Do not rebuke the clowns because they will hate you. They may hate you. Hashem doesn't want to create more hate. Rebuke someone who accepts criticism in a peaceful way. Some people not only accept, they, they thank you. I thank you so much for bringing it to my attention. Thank you, thank you. Whenever you see something wrong, please tell me. The Gaon Mivilna hired the Magid Miduvna with money to be his policeman. The Gaon Mivilna said to him, you don't need to pay me to tell you what's right and wrong. I mean, I can do it without money. He said, no. If I won't pay you, some things you will tell me, some things you will not want to tell me. Now when I hire you and pay you a salary every month to be my policeman and rebuke me all the time, you must tell me. If not, you're a thief. And since I know you, the last person in the world that will steal, I'm paying you to be my policeman. Today, if you tell someone for free, no need to pay me. But I just wanted to tell you, you don't put the feeling in the right place. They're not supposed to be an euphoria. It gives you such a look. 20 years he hates you. 20 if someone asks you to give Dvar Torah, no! Why him? Why you hate him? Who does he think he is? What happened? Relax, Moshe. This Chatzuf, he told me I don't know how to put filin. Why did he tell you? He wants to put you down or he wants you finally to put filin one time in his life in the right place? Until now he didn't put filin, you fool. 20 years he put it on your forehead. Over here, most people don't put it in the right place. I see people in the shul that feel in, uh, facing the opposite side. It's count like you never put filin. If they're not in the right place, it's no mitzvah of filin. Someone put filin on his leg. It's mitzvah or no? It's bizayon. There was one, uh, one uh, model in Israel. She wanted to make fun of that filin. So she tied it to her leg. And she published her picture in Facebook. The next day, Hashem made her paralyzed in her legs. You can Google it. Right away, she became paralyzed. Like this Turkish monster today that spoke against Israel. As soon as he finished his Nazi speech, got a heart attack and died. Hashem. I want to finish just with what we started. I'm going to be afraid to make speech. <laughs> so, Rabotai, we have to slaughter our Yetzirah that is within us. Who did it? Which Sadiq did it? David Amelech. It's written in Tehilim, Velibi, Chalal Bekirbi. My heart is empty. Halal means empty. Space. All empty. Empty from what? What's in the heart? The Yetzirah. I don't have any more desires. No more Yetzirah in my heart. I destroyed it. This is in Psalm 109, verse 22. Someone who passed the test cannot fall asleep. Has to stay alert. Because once he finished and he succeeded, immediately the Satan tried to make him feel great. 
pride. I'm better than everyone around here. I'm the only one who accepts Shabbat half an hour before the time. Look at all these losers. A second before Shabbat. Why you don't come in for Mincha? Last cigarette, Kvod Arav. Cigarette controls their life. He thinks, oh, look at these losers. Look, look at them. A minute before Shabbat finished, the cigarette is already on their ear. Ah, you tell them we keep Rabbeinu Tamir? Sometimes they have a guest. They come to me for Shabbat. They used to finish Shabbat after 45 minutes. But we go by Rabbeinu Tam, 72 minutes after sunset. They say, what? Shabbat finished already. Why we didn't start our week? No, we have another half an hour. Ma! Don't worry. What's the problem? I'm dying. But it's very interesting, because 23 hours he didn't care about the cigarette. Laughing, eating, enjoying. 20 minutes before the time, the desire kills him. Why? You see that it's all in the head? If it was a physical thing, you would have it from the first minute on Shabbat. It wouldn't leave you. Once you realize that it's soon happening, the desire begins. It's proof. It's not a physical addiction like like people think. It's all in the head. Because how come all these addicts on Shabbat, they don't smoke? The answer is because their mind understands there's no chance to smoke and their mind relaxes. No, there's nothing we can be done. What is the point of giving him desire? Anyway, cannot touch the cigarette Shabbat. Well, now it's 10 minutes. Get ready. Uh, 10, 9. In the middle of 18, already after Atachonantano, he pulled the cigarette out. It's not Mukts anymore. Put it here. Closer to the mouth. Uh, 20 seconds he finished Arvit of Motzei Shabbat. The rest of the week, seven minutes. Motzei Shabbat, a minute and 20 seconds. What happened, Moshe in Rash? No. Good enough. Now I can dive in three hours if you want. Give me my cigarette and my coffee. How miserable we became. <laughs> it's crazy. So, Abutai. Yosef was 17 years old. The desire, the women, the tragedy in his life. And the Satan say to him, Yosef, Ashrecha, I bow down to you today, Yosef, the prettiest woman in the world, begging you to be with her. By the way, I told you that she did Lashem Shamayim. She saw in the stars that he is going to have a child with her. What was her mistake? It was not her, it was her daughter. Osnat. Osnat Bat Potifera. Rasmus Potifar. This Potifera married the prettiest woman in Egypt, and what else? The Gemara say became gay. That's before Hussein Obama, who made a special bathroom for the those who don't have sex. What are you, a man or a woman? I rather not discuss that. Tov. So, Potifera became gay. How do we know? His name was Potifar. The Torah changed his name from Potifar to Potifera. Pere Adam. Ra. Why? 
You go against the laws of nature, Hashem cannot stand you. Oh, you're so abusive. Your words are so hurtful. It's not my words, it's the, it's the words of God. Take it. Take it or take it. There's no option to leave it. So, Rabotai, I want to ask you now a question. Yeah, it was, he, he desired Yosef as well. Imagine Yosef, poor Yosef, the husband and the wife desire him. But I want to ask you a question. Yosef went to jail. He was completely innocent. She put white of an egg on the, on the bed, looks like sperm, made a big scene. Her ego got hurt that he doesn't want to cooperate with her, with her to do it. And they arrested Yosef. And in order for Potiphar not to be embarrassed that his wife was seducing Yosef, they made it look like he tried to do something with him. Shame on you, you ungrateful Jew. You're working here in the house of Potiphar and you're trying to start something with his wife. Put him in jail. They wanted to kill him. But then they said, come on, you know he's innocent. We're putting him in jail just to keep your reputation clean. Now you want to kill someone who never did anything? Put him in jail. Uh, ten years is in jail. Sarah Mashkim, Sarah Ofim, they have a dream. Sarah Mashkim, Yosef said to him soon, Paro is going to call you back, you're going to squeeze drinks into his uh, glass again. Sarah Ofim, you're going to die. But don't forget me. When you go again and you pour the wine to Paro, tell him that I know I'm innocent. I'm here, I didn't do anything. Of course, the wicked people, they're very ungrateful. As soon as they get what they want, they forget you exist. Like the politicians. There are politicians before the election and politicians a minute after the election. It's not the same person. It's much like two people. So anyway, Rabotai, because Yosef asked him twice, first time, you're allowed to do Ishtadlut. Don't forget me, maybe you talk to someone, they'll get me out of jail, I'm here for 10 years. He doesn't know how long he's going to stay. Stay for 10 years already. With horrible people. But Hashem made that the head of the jail likes Yosef. He finds favor in his eyes. So people respect him. He's the only Hebrew there, everyone there going. But the head of the jail is giving him special treatment. Why? Because Hashem said so. Then Hashem added two more years. Now Paro had a dream. Immediately, Yo, Yosef, all of a sudden, Sarah Mashkim, remember, oh, I forgot, there is a Jew there in the jail. He knows how to solve dreams. Quickly, they cut, give him haircut, give him nice clothes. Run, run. The king is waiting. He doesn't have rest from his dream. The seven skinny cows swallow the fat one, the skinny wheat. Something is definitely, power understand it's a message from God. But all my advisors are fools. They're giving me stupid answers. Let's see what this Jew has to say. In one minute, from the lousiest condition, you become the king of the world. In one minute. The most powerful person in the history of the world was Yosef. Eight years he controlled all the money of the biggest empire of the world, Egypt, that all the money in the world went to them in a time of anger. Everything was under his signature. <coughs> Everything. 
who, do you know anyone who control all the money on earth for 80 years? Four years the maximum. 80 years to be in charge of all the money to decide who gets food, who doesn't, who has the land, who, can, who we take his land, who we leave him with the land. Yosef made the law tax exempt. All the non-profit organization owe gratitude to Yosef. He decided that every minister of religion, all the religions of Egypt, are dismissed from paying their land as taxes. The tax exempt. 3,400 years later, this law is in every country in the world. Churches, synagogue, mosque, all kinds of help for the poor, they're all dismissed from paying taxes. Yosef invented that idea. But, and I'm finishing right here for today, there is something very strange. After Yosef come and Paro make him the minister of all the money, tell them you're the wiser person, you should be in charge. Paro does another thing, which is very strange, but at the same time very clever. What does he do? He is a matchmaker. Paro decided to find Yosef a shiduch. Yosef, I have a great girl for you. Who? The daughter of Potiphar. What? I was in jail because of them. They put me in jail. I'm innocent. This lousy Potiphar the gay and his wife. I don't want to say what, what she is. I'm going to marry their daughter and sit in the table with them for, for dinner? The two people that sent me innocent to jail? What, what Paro is a fool? <laughs> he doesn't know who sent him to jail? Imagine now a prosecutor who built a case against you. You're totally innocent. He planted all kinds of evidence to make you guilty. You said 12 years in prison. You know he did it all. You come out of the jail and sleepy Joe say, I have a great shidduch for you. Marry the daughter of this prosecutor. Prosecutor. You're out of your mind. I don't want to look at his face ever again. So what is power doing? Power is a dictator. You must listen to him. You marry her or snot. Yes, your majesty. Why would he do that? I don't want ministers in my government to hate each other. Let's cut it right now. What we call sulcha. Let's make sulcha. Potifar, come here. Come on, you and I know that he was innocent. But that's okay. It's been a long time ago. Shake his hand. Give me a hug. Hey, hey, bro, come. <laughs> now Yosef become the son-in-law. <laughs> Of Potiphar, and I have only one Kashia. Who knows what? If they offer you a Shiduch, let's say the girl is good, let's say, that she has a mother that is a prostitute and a father that is gay. <laughs> Are you supposed to agree to such a date? The girl is good. But can I have to sit on a Shabbat table with him smiling to you and with her also smiling to you? No, Kushia, no? She, was, she wasn't her daughter. Ah, 
but he still has to sit in the table with them. That's it's not relevant. It's not relevant. She's adopted, but they still she still has to sit with these two low lives in the table. Not only that, every time Potiphar will come in, he will have to stand. His father-in-law. Imagine you married, a, God forbid, you married the daughter of Bernie Sanders. He walks into the room, you have to stand. Do you know what the punishment it is? This is what happening to all the fakers in the government now that joined this government. When Netanyahu put the chairman of the house, a gay man that lives with another man in a marriage, openly. And he brings to the inauguration, he brings his husband. And all the rabbis, rabbis that sits in the government, Faradim and Ashkenazim, have to stand and call him Mr. Chairman, Adonia Yoshevrosh, to call a person that lives in a sodomized lifestyle. Is this something Hashem happy with? It's a big Hilul Hashem. And by the way, the religious people could have said to Netanyahu, give him any job you want in the government. But we are not going to call him Mr. Chairman every two minutes when we want to speak. It will never happen. Or you're never going to have a government. That's what I would do. I don't care. Give him to be in charge of the money. Let him be in charge of all kinds of things. Government has a lot of jobs. Transportation, this, that. Give him a job. Why do I care what you give him? He's going to be the boss of the, of, the, of the meeting here in the Knesset? I was very lucky. The last time I was in the Knesset, the guy that takes me around, he said, Rabbi, come, I want you to meet someone. He takes me downstairs. His office is downstairs. You have to walk down. I don't know where I'm going. I come, I come, I come. I see his name on the wall. The office... Of Amir Ochana. I say to myself, yo, I'm going to have to shake his hand. How am I going to get out of it? Then a girl that works for him, she's in a small room. Before you go into his room, there's a small room. Hi, hi. Give me a pen, a clip, you know. <laughs> Welcome to the Knesset. We're so sorry. The, the Sar is not here. Would you like to wait? He will be back in 10-15 minutes. It's the meeting upstairs in the Knesset. I said, it's okay, just, you know, <laughs> tell him we, we were here. Hashem <laughs> uh, saved me. I said to the guy, Ofer, what are you out of your mind? <laughs> uh, Rabbi, but he's a nice guy. He's a righty. He's not a lefty. He's not one of these gays who hate religion. He loves religion. He loves religious people. Doesn't matter. Of course, it's not as bad as those who wants to destroy the Torah, but he lives in an open lifestyle, in a sodomized lifestyle, with no shame. And he comes from a traditional Moroccan family, meaning his grandfather was religious. People have no shame. Four years ago, no one would dare to behave like this. No one. They would do it behind the scene. Ah, it's hypocrisy. Why should I hide my desires? You should hide. If your desire is to touch little kids, of course you should hide. You should lock yourself in a cage. Well, what? You cannot control yourself? You behave against the laws of nature. 
You cannot control your desire, your mental issues. You have to flesh with that to the whole world. Some countries, it's that penalty, you know. Who knows where? <laughs> Iran, yeah. But Uganda, Uganda. All the government of Uganda voted unanimously for law a year ago that gay activity is death penalty. The United States and Europe threatened them, threatened these Uganda people, that threatened them that they will not give them any help and they take sanctions against them. And it's a poor country, Uganda. They need the help of America. And hundreds of millions of dollars aid. They threaten with the money. They say we won't compromise on our, on our moral ethics. We do not want people that betray God and commit crimes like this in our society. You want them, take them to your country. Where else do you find in the world someone that would speak like that? Putin. In Russia, they're not allowed to make a beep. They can, cannot show their mental issues in public. They get arrested. Very much against it in Russia. Very much. But Putin can do whatever he wants. He's a dictator. Nobody, nobody wants to mess with him. See what he does in Ukraine. What can they do? There's nothing they can do. Rabotai so Paro the weirdest and the most clever shiduch ever. He will kill two birds with one stone. You know this expression? <laughs> I find your shiduch, and at the same time, I put all the fire off. Bad feeling from the past is now gone. We're all going to see it, Meklechaim, Sulcha. And that's the secret, and that's enough for today. That's the secret of Aser Satan Milefanenu Umeacharenu. Save me from the Satan before I fall into his trap. And save me after I pass the test not to have great feelings of pride. And we'll finish with a story. The Saba Mikelem had one student that decided to accept Shabbat one hour before sunset. If sunset is at 7 p.m., at 6 p.m., um kabel al Shabbat. The Saba called him one time. He said to him, I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to tell you how proud I am in you that you're such a tzaddik. You keep Shabbos an hour before everyone. Wow. I'm so honored to be your Rebbe. But tell me, how is it possible that you're the only tzaddik over here? Now one student learned from you that he should keep Shabbos an extra hour. Look at them. A minute before Shabbat, they start. Can't they accept Shabbat earlier? Shabbat is a gift. It's not a punishment. Don't you agree with me? The student says, yes, Rebbe. The level of the Bachurim here is not really great. So I agree, I agree. What do you think we should do about it? Maybe you should teach them that they have to do tshuva. The rabbi told him, listen carefully, but listen, 
as of now I commend you to accept Shabbat one minute before the time. Ma? No more one hour before. I thought you like me because of that. I was just testing you. So what happened? You're telling me to cancel such a good thing I'm doing? He said to him, when you want to do something that it's extra, it's not mandatory by law. You want to be extra righteous, right? You have to keep Shabbos before sunset. A minute before, it's enough. You want to be extra righteous to start an hour earlier. Be my guest. But if when you machmir on yourself to do extra, you choose to be extra strict, it makes you look down at other Jews who does what the law requires. Not wicked. They do what the law says. Not extra. They do exactly what they need to do. They're not adding extra strict humrod. If you look down at them, you are worse than them. I'm not looking for show of fear and uh, Mr. Uh, ego. They're not in your level. Look at them. They have to do tshuva. Why they have to do tshuva? They keep the laws. They don't break Shabbat. You get the point here? Sometimes we choose to do extra. Okay, Rav Ovadia writes, Chazal say, Kola Machmir, Tavo Alav Baracha. Everyone who does extra should be extra blessed. But only if you do it and it doesn't make you proud and look down on other people. If other people don't do the extras and you look down at them, he's shaggets, he's wicked, he's modern. Don't count on him. If I wouldn't eat in his house, why? Because he keeps Shabbos from the beginning to the end, not extra. He's already making him look like some kind of a rasha. That's very dangerous. And that's why uh, many people that get married, they should not force their wives to follow their chumrot. Only Karadin. Same thing when you make Baalei Tshuva, you're not, so poor Rav Eliashif say, do not teach them any extras. Just teach them what's mandatory. Later on, when they'll be in Yeshiva, don't worry, they'll find all the Chumrot. Right now, don't drive them crazy. You bring them to the Yeshiva, don't come after two, three weeks, you need a black hat. You're the only one without it here. Come on, it's not enough yamaka. See, put kova lichvot Shabbat, drive him crazy. Why don't you grow your beard? He's not, he doesn't have foundation yet. You now want him to jump from zero to a hundred in two months. It takes 20 years, Habibi. What happened? He builds, 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 there's no foundation. Boom! It will collapse in one second, he will run to put back his earring and make a new tattoo. And it's your fault. It's your fault. It drove him crazy. Same thing with your wife. A lot of husbands, they're in yeshiva, they're in high level. They, they think their wife should be their chevruta. Listen, she's not bachur yeshiva. Give her leniency. Just tell her what she must keep. Don't add extra. Don't add. Here, you can do that if it makes you happy. What she must keep, she must keep. We, we don't have permission to, to compromise on Hashem's laws. 
I'm only talking about the extras. Usually all the fights in the house is because of the extras. Ask Rabbi Zudas Shlombait. Fanatic husband wants to be extra righteous and destroys family and children in his life. It happened thousands of times. And that's because he doesn't have that Torah. Doesn't have a real rabbi to direct him, to instruct him what to do. If he had a good rabbi, the rabbi would see when it's good to do extra, when it's not supposed to do extra. It's going to take his wife away from him, like from one side of the world to the other. I've seen many times that husband and wife had a disagreement, they went to a very big chacham, and the chacham say she's allowed to do it, leave her alone. Nothing is wrong with that. They ask the Chacham, but you wrote in your book that she's not supposed to do it. And that's the general rule. But in your particular case, we can count on the leniency. We have to check the situation. What's better, that your house will fall apart? That your kids will be on the streets? Kids that in a family that get divorced and the parents are fighting, it destroys the kids. Kids are not immune from the parents' fights. And usually parents are wicked enough to use the kids as hostages to get back at the other side. I'm destroying your kids, but I'll destroy my enemy as well. So you want her to die, and you don't care that your four kids will die with her. You get the point or no? So don't do things before you ask that Torah. Don't make up decisions. Oh, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do that. I'm going to cause to grow a beard and then to take it off is a million times worse than to never grow it. It's no obligation to have a long beard in a Torah at all. There's an obligation not to cut the beard with a razor. That's it. You want to be a Mekubal, Kabbalist, Hasid? Fine. They have their Chumrot. But to insult someone, for instance, is, you can lose your lamaba in public. You get it or no? I once went to a place, there was a bunch of, uh, bunch of uh, Hasidei Chabad. The Chabad, they makpid me'od on a beard, long beard. It's, you hardly ever will find a Chabadnik in a world without a beard. Hardly ever. By then... The beard is almost yarek velo yavor. The halacha does not force a person to have long beard. It's, a, it's just like I say, not allowed to cut it with a razor. So one time I gathered, they invited me to sit with them somewhere in America. We were sitting, divrei Torah, and then one of them that had a long beard, maybe he was 50 years old, 60 years old, Say to someone that didn't have a beard, why your face look like a butt of a baby? In front of everyone he said it. Meaning it's smooth, no beard. He just, this fool just lost his olam in a minute. You know what Hashem is going to do with this beard. That's how they're going to light the fire of his genome when he arrived there. From that beard. This will just show you how stupid people can be. To, to grow a long beard is chumrah. Very nice. It's adrat panim. There's a lot of great things in Kabbalah about Sinorot Shefa. We know all of that. 
to insult a person in front of 40 people or 30, whatever people were there, and never even to think that you did something wrong. It's written. His entire years, or I don't know, seven years with a beard, will not cover 1% of that thing that he did. Seven years he will go with his beard, whatever reward he should get, put it on a scale, put the punishment that he's going to get for that insult, the seven years of having long beard will not, will not erase 1% of the punishment he's going to get. So the beard helped him in life or destroyed him? Destroyed him. Also, I had a student that right away came to yeshiva, within a month he grew a long beard. He had a thick beard, you know. One time I went with him to a place. We gave a, it was in Queens Boulevard, the restaurant. It was Sheva Brachot. I was invited to speak, and he came with me. It was Ben Azmanim. So everyone in a, in a restaurant came to him, Kvod Arach, Kvod Arach, give me bracha. He's one man in yeshiva. He barely knows how to read Rashi. Kvod Arach, they came to me, Rabbi, who is this Rabbi you brought with? It's Mekubal? As we speak, I see he doesn't even know how to do Netilat Yadayim. We have to watch for the meal. He doesn't know how to do Netilat Yadayim. He didn't learn yet, Alachot. He's only one month in Yeshiva. I said to myself, he looks like an important rabbi. He doesn't know two Alachot. Someone like that, the beard serves him or causes him damage? People think it's such a, it's a, it's a very big Tamid Chacham, maybe it's a Dayan or Mashu. And they follow what he does. He doesn't know halachot. You get it or no? Bottom line, Rabotai, we need common sense, Bezrat Hashem. So we'll see you when is the next lecture, Monday, Bezrat Hashem. Baruch Adonai Leolam, Amen ve Amen. Rabbi Hanan, Yabin Akashia, Amen. Ratzah, Kadosh Baruch Hu, Lezakot, Amen. Lefi, Chach, Kibbalah, Torah, Mitzvot, Shneemar, Adonai, Chafet, Zaman, Tzitko.